0: Love Talk Radio.
1: How we do it, do it, do it. I don't tell tonight, you don't tell We like I'm on there the right time.
2: One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred It's game time. All right, let's go. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host.
1: Intro music, man.
2: I just heard
1: it in the chat room. We need harder intro music. What do I do? I'm living in that 21st century. Doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Strange some nights. Got a nice ring to it. I can't
2: say music. No one yeah. All right, all right, you know, we've, we're we all business
1: tonight. We've got, we've got Jeff Pesquino stopping by from footballguys.com. Mike Trent is out, his girlfriend's 50th birthday. Rachel, we love you. Have a happy birthday. Hope you all enjoy this weekend. Hello, everybody. It's Sky Adkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And usually I'm joined by the big blue co-host himself from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. But this week I have a special co-host. The one and only Jeff Pasquino from footballguys.com. Jeff, welcome to Red vs. Blue. Thanks for being a part of this, man. What is going on in your world?
0: Hey, Scott. We're just gearing up for all the football guys' covers this year, getting everything all uh, queued up as, uh, you know, football never take, Football never sleeps. We're still rolling, and we're getting ready for uh, the big iPad launch in a couple weeks.
1: Hey, I'm really excited about that thing. I mean, I don't even own an iPad, but I, I love I I went ahead and contributed something for uh, Dodd. He, he shot me a a survey type thing on the FPA so we put that together and uh it should be a should be a nice little addition to that I can't wait to see it on the screen man that's that's pretty exciting stuff uh it might even it might even tempt me to go out and
0: get one I don't know <laughs> yeah same here I don't have one either but uh I I'm used to my droid phone most of the time but I uh, think it's supposed to be a lot of cool a lot of cool stuff out there and uh We've added even more content. I even just finished an entire section on auctions, so that's uh, we got a lot of stuff coming this year.
1: You know, I really, I don't, I don't ever think about the iPad. You know, throughout the week, I've got a laptop in the office. I got a laptop in the bedroom. Uh, you know, you got a, you got uh, your computer at the office. I mean, you really, I don't really have that need, and, and I've got an Android, you know, phone, big screen on the on the droid, and I just don't think about it a lot. But you know, the times that I do think about it is when everybody has them on the airplane. You know, at the airport, I'm always jealous of everybody with their iPads because here I've got this big bulky laptop i got to pull out or, or something. And I'm just like, man, and it's so nice. Everything's organized. all smooth, you know, just like the iPhones are, you know. So it's uh, that's about the only time I ever think about it is when I'm on vacation or when I'm in the airport. And then, uh, you know, if, if people are on their iPad at the fantasy draft and they are looking at this app that you guys have, I'm going to be pretty jealous.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm still a laptop guy, but um, you, you got to like the lighter, the uh, sleeker look of, of it, and the portability is pretty nice. So I, I can definitely get on board with it. It's just uh, Yeah, right now laptops are fine by me.
1: All right, well, look, Jeff, thanks for uh, coming by and being a part of Red vs. Blue. You've been here before. You know the ropes. We've got the best chat room in the world of, uh, you know, podcasting and blog talk radio. We call them affectionately the crew here at Red vs. Blue. Uh, the chat room comprises some of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy football. They'll trickle in as the night comes on. Uh, we also have, uh, we're going to talk about a recent draft that we performed over at the FFPC, the Genesis Draft. You are very familiar with them now. Obviously with the, the partnership with Football Guys and, and, and FFPC now, it's the formation of the FPC, the Football Guys Players Championship. That thing is a hundred fifty thousand dollar grand prize. Real impressive stuff for a for a startup contest. It just really blows my mind that you can get thousands of teams paying three hundred fifty dollars. It it still blows my mind to this day. So we're gonna break down that draft as we prepare for those. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the National Fantasy Football Championship, the NFFC. We've got those guys. Uh, we're hosting a draft for them in a couple of weeks. It's a fourteen teamer, um, hundred fifty dollars startup, and it's part of their draft champions. Uh, Greg Ambrosius and those guys over at Stats—they do a great job with that too. So we're going to talk about that. And you know, I, let, let's start off with something I don't have in the show outline. Uh, Jeff, have you seen uh, this—the uh, jersey sales that are going on right now? Have you seen what the top ten looks like? Have you seen that at all?
0: No, I would guess Peyton Manning's high up in the list, but I wouldn't—you know—I I haven't seen the list.
1: Ding, 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 man! Number one on the list: Peyton Manning from the Denver Broncos is number one. I give you that. I give you points and props for that, man. Can you guess number two?
0: Hmm, number two. There's a couple of options here. I'd I have to think of a popular team. Uh, Aaron Rodgers? You know,
1: he is, he made the top six. He chimed in at number six. Aaron Rodgers about, is probably the best quarterback in the league at number six.
2: How There's about Aaron Rodgers.
1: There are four quarterbacks, in, I mean, four more quarterbacks in front of uh, Jerry, uh, Aaron Rodgers. All the top
0: six are quarterbacks. Oh, Brady's got to be there.
1: Actually, Brady chimes in at number eight
0: on the list. Wow, wow. Huh? Cam?
1: Cam at number nine on the list. You're knocking them down, man, but we still got two
0: through five uh, here. Wow, quarterback's still high on the list. Um Eli? Okay, now you're talking. That's number five. So you're still two through
1: four. <laughs> Little okay. brother got number five on the list.
0: Finally. Yeah. So we t- hit Rogers, uh Romo. No. Yeah, I thought the Cowboys would gotten there. Big Ben. No. Uh.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. You're getting, you're getting cold. Vic. <laughs> you, you need
1: to think about uh let's see, what can I what can I what kind of a clue could I give you? Um, Tebow. Tebow is number two. I was I was trying to think of a good fullback. I was gonna I was gonna throw a fullback <laughs> name out there, and, you know, get you kind of thinking about uh, the fullback of the future, Tim Tebow. Uh, yeah, number thinking, two chimes in, and I'm then obviously.
0: T- I was thinking about Tebow y'all... the other day. I'm thinking the Jets might actually. I- I'm wondering if they're going to make him a holder, just to kind of monkey with people's brains. <laughs> Number three on the list, Robert Griffin III. Number four,
1: Andrew Luck. Uh okay. Round out those top four. You already named Eli and Rodgers. Um, we've got uh, Patrick Willis. Followed okay. at number seven for the Niners, uh, Tom Brady and Cam. You guessed number ten, a defensive MVP for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Troy Paul. Troy Paul. Um, yep. Yeah. So there's yeah. your top ten. I just thought it was pretty interesting to see uh, Peyton already back on top. Yeah, two
0: two days after that, that all went down, I'm in uh, I'm in Maryland. I'm in the grocery store. I see a Denver Bronco Peyton Manning jersey, and I'm like, that's got to be dripping wet. That's crazy that I saw a Manning jersey, uh, eighteen and white, in Denver. I'm like that in in, in the middle of Maryland. Go figure. Top rated jersey sales in the country right now. If you want, uh, if you have a question
1: for Jeff Pasquino from FootballGuys.com, you can uh, tweet us at Red Blue Radio. You can email the show, redblueradio at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook, Blog Talk Radio. We do stream live on iTunes, thanks to the the good friends at uh, Blog Talk Radio and the Fantasy Sports Channel. They stream live 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mark Ronick and the guys at Blog Talk Radio bringing us all the action, uh, 365 days a year. Pretty incredible. So, uh Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. I don't know how many other ways I can give you here. I can give you a cell, a cell phone, maybe texting, uh, a pager. You know, I We've got every way covered to uh, to interact with the show. And again, we've got the chat room here. The crew at Red vs Blue. Thanks for being a part of it. I see familiar names in here. I see Wayne, Henry Muto, Brothers Mayhem, a big part of high stakes fantasy football now. Billy Wisoski, what's up, my brother? Fantasy QB, Marcel Reese, Mino Brown, Lance. Sports betting man is here, and Urinal Mint, it's looking like a a really good crew for a Friday night. Uh, We do have that chat. We do have that draft board up. Uh, Jeff just posted the link for it in the draft room uh, or in the chat room. You can take a look at that as we start to analyze that tonight. We're going to have some some fun topics to to bring up. Uh, I want to talk about this Pro Bowl, Mike. Uh, Jeff, we've got, uh, if you've heard the sound bites here for Bart Scott from the Jets, uh, my boy can't wait. You know, uh, what's he's uh, he's arguing with uh, Goodell about um, there being a Pro Bowl? Goodell obviously, you know, was was saying it wasn't a fan favorite last year. Uh, there wasn't a lot of high competition, and now they uh, uh, Bart Scott fires back. What's he talking about? Tell him to put a tell him to put a jersey on. So Jeff, Pro Bowl, should they have one?
0: Yes or no? I don't think so. I think it's really a joke because half the players don't want to go. When they go there, they're half-hearted playing on there. That it's just, it's really not. I mean, the fans were booing the first couple of snaps because they could just see that the players, the hearts weren't in it. So, I I don't see a point to it. I think it really should be like like an All-Pro list, and they they. they I mean, people want to watch skills competition more than they want to see this. I mean, just have a celebrity football yeah. game for the crying out loud. It's just, there's no point. I mean, just come up with a more interesting competition, something you could do. Um, but the players don't want to go and see it. The, the only reason that people were there is because it's Hawaii, and it's basically free tickets, I'm sure. So uh, it's, it's really crazy that they do it. And the players don't even want to go anymore. I've
1: got a trivia question in the chat room. Who was hurt playing beach Football. If you remember, uh, you can tweet the show at Red Blue Radio, or you
0: can respond in the chat room. Who
1: was hurt playing beach football? You remember that?
0: I remember. I remember the team, the player. I can't remember his name offhand. Uh huh. Yeah, we got a winner.
1: Mino Brown. Uh, Mino
0: Brown. Robert
1: Edwards. That's right. There they go. Uh, that was. Uh, you know. You never know. I, I, I'm with you. I would rather see the skilled competition. I would rather see a beach football game. I would rather see, you know, the moving targets down the field, uh, the field goals, uh, you know, like a third of the size of the of the regular, you know, uh, crossbar. I would just like to see a lots of little things like that. I think that would be a lot of fun. I mean, the Pro Bowl is just, like you said, it's just not a, it's not the same kind of sport as basketball. You can actually enjoy the athleticism of it, but when you don't have a cornerback aggressively going for the ball to stop the wide receiver that's wide open down the field, and you've got linemen that are just standing up and touching each other, you know, it doesn't have a lot of fun. But let me read you the business side of it real quick, Jeff. It says, it's not going anywhere it since it provides for the player and his spouse a paid Hawaiian vacation plus a $52,000 check if a member of the winning team, a $25,000 check if part of the losing team. So, Automatically get 25 grand. You can get another 25 grand if you win it. That's chump change to these guys. These guys don't care about that. Um, but their wife is going to Hawaii with them. But still, it was the NFL's call. And under the they, they say, Title 38 of the CBA, the league has the ability to dump the Pro Bowl game in each and every season through 2021. The language actually states in any league year, the NFL may elect in its sole discretion not to hold a Pro Bowl game or to replace the Pro Bowl game. Here we go. With another event that recognizes the accomplishments of outstanding NFL players, provided that the NFL will consult with the NFLPA prior to making its determination and that players are nonetheless selected for such recognition in accordance with Section 2, blah, 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 blah. So, basically, if we could pull this off, man. We can lobby the league. we got to start the skills competition. That's what we want to see. I would have a lot more fun with that than the Pro Bowl.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think you know, I even you know figure stuff out. I mean, do do something like this, the the Senior Bowl All Stars against the NFL guys, doing something. Just I mean, do something that people want to see. See the new guys. I mean, it's the time of year where you're starting to think about the draft anyway. So why not have some of the uh, the young guys competing with the NFL guys, even in a skilled competition there. Just have both of them doing something.
1: Oh man, Fancy QB in the chat room has an excellent idea. Rather see lingerie football game than the Pro Bowl. And and we can pull that off now. And I think HBO understands this as well. You saw the selection of Hard Knocks, and I know, Jeff, you thought the exact same thing I did. This is all about Lauren T V. Lauren Tannehill TV. It's gonna be hilarious. Uh I can I can see it now. They're you know, they've got uh you know, uh, Reggie Bush over here and they're they're talk they've got their running back competition and they're talking about it and they are like in other news, Lauren Tannehill goes tanning. Oh, look at look at Lauren over there, the tanning bed, you know. That's the kind of show we're gonna see. It's gonna be non stop Lauren Tannehill. That's the only reason they went to Miami.
0: Well, that and the fact that nobody else wanted to do it. <laughs>
1: That had or that had something to do with it. I had to think that there were some other teams. Uh, I don't think they asked everybody. I think they asked maybe ten or fifteen teams or something like that. I think there were still half the teams in the league that would probably still take that for some publicity. I, I was hoping for anybody but Miami. But at the end of the day, I know what this is all about. It's it's Lauren Tannehill. You can see a um, you know uh, beautiful Lauren Tannehill on our uh, show page here. Uh, she'll scroll through every once in a while with some of the other. Uh, rookies of the day, but uh, that's hard knocks for you. And you got to think that uh, Rex Ryan kind of set the mold of what not to do on hard knocks, and I think everybody kind of saw that and said, "Wow, we don't want to come off looking that bad." So I think we're going to pass on the experience. It really, I mean, if you think about it, uh, I think everybody kind of just lost respect for uh, you know players like Mark Sanchez too. When you when you watch that uh, for the Jets. You kind of got a feeling that this is a, just a kid, you know, an overpaid kid that has no idea what he's doing, and uh, you know he's in over his head. And that's kind of what it made me feel like. Now I love the Rex Ryan uh, bravado, I love the humor, I love the passion, but I but I sure uh, it, it wasn't anything that you know you could watch with your kids or anything like that. It was kind of kind of sad in that way. You know, I would have I would have liked to have you know exposed my you know my sons to watching this uh, Jets inside look, but you couldn't. You
0: know, there was just no way you could. No, and I think that's part of it. I mean, we you saw that even when they did the uh, the, what, the 24 hours or 48 hour show about the, the hockey, it was ridiculous. You couldn't watch that. It would, you know, that was pure adult t- entertainment there, either with the uh, the f bombs that the, the coach kept dropping there. So, I mean, people want to see what's like what a uh, real locker room is like, and that's that's what you're going to get unfiltered. You know, sports guys, and that's what they're going to do. Let's eat a
1: snack. I remember that man. That was uh, that was famous. All right, let's get uh, let's get this show on the road, Jeff. We've got uh, you know it's it's the NFL. We can talk to the NFL about it uh, any any day of the year. Um, we've got these high stakes leagues all around the country. Uh, we do we do leagues for and special live play by play, pick by pick commentary drafts on this show every year. And it doesn't matter the contest. We'll 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 take all comers. We'll do FFPC. Uh, we'll do um, ghosts of the cough We'll do NFFC. It doesn't matter if you want to. If you have a, a competition and you want to, you want to put them out there. We'll we'll discuss it and break down the draft. That's kind of what I love to do. And last year the NFFC, uh, we did a draft on red versus blue. It was a lot of fun drafting. Uh, you know, putting the results out there online and everybody could follow the draft board that was going on. The league was a big success. Mark Quich, uh won the league title. Uh, Scott Schutte finished second. Michael Trent actually finished third. And today I spoke to Greg Ambrosius, and we went ahead and got together and figured out Friday, June 15th, there are still eight spots left, six of them filled today. So half are almost, half are gone. Uh, and I'm sure Mike's going to take the seventh. So there will be seven spots left. Uh, this is $150 draft Champions League, guys. entry fee $150, 14 teams, 30 rounds. Thirty rounds. It will be here for a while. Three RR third round reversal draft champions format. So your best starters play. Uh, the draft starts at 9 p.m. We'll be drafting till good God. 14 teams, 30 rounds. I hope the clock is set to 30 seconds.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a long one.
1: It's a long one. Uh, here are the the um, the first place pays uh, 1450 second place nine, th- dollars 50 and, and third place one fifty. So it's got a smaller payoff there, but you do get entered into the championship round where there's a $10,000 payoff for the champion uh, of the draft Champions League. So it should be fun. I like to draft early. I like to scoop up and take advantage before all the camp starts, before the names like Greg Little really starts coming out, before the names like, you know, your Tory Smiths, uh, some of the, some of the other names that I just think will will start to rise up the ladders, the Peyton Manning's, the Jacob Tammys, the Eric Decker's. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm on the Bronco offense this year. The Shane Vereens, um, the Ronnie Hillmans. I think these guys will all start to rise up draft boards. I think Des Bryant will rise up draft boards. Just a lot of names of guys that I like, and I like to pick them off early. You know, pick them off earlier in the year. Jeff, are you a favor of early drafting or late? Because as high stakes players, this is a decision you kind of have to make because drafts start up earlier and earlier every year, and you have to kind of pick and choose. Would you rather be early drafting with the diehards, or would you rather be late drafting with the the rookies just wanting to get in?
0: Well, I like drafting early in like the draft masters format because I usually, I mean, I'm up on the information all year long. So, uh, especially in the, in, the, in the, those are great because you're not going to be managing during the year. So you just, you know what's going on. You can kind of read the tea leaves. And you, you and I both draft all year long. I mean, we're drafting in pre-draft, right after the draft. We're doing Survivor Leagues. We're drafting all the time. But, we so we keep up and where You know, we know what the ADPs are. We know where guys should be going and what kind of values are. And, you know, we may not agree on everybody, but we kind of know how it, it shakes out. But, if you jump in these leagues early, you get a good set. And then you don't have to worry about the league. I mean, the league's done. The league you've drafted, you know, you've know, you set your strategy, you move on to the other leagues. And then you can have other leagues that you're going to manage. You can only manage so many leagues weekly. So you got to pick and choose there. And those are the ones I like to draft kind of later in the year, a couple of weeks or even a week right before the season starts.
1: Well, these are a lot of fun. Our good friend Henry Muto is in this league. He's in the chat room tonight. Scott Schutte, again, Mark Klitsch, Greg Diesler, Frank Masco, uh, Michael Tran will be there. That's seven already, guys, that have, uh, that have ponied up $150, and it will uh, fill really quick. If you want into the Red vs. Blue podcast, play-by-play commentary draft, jump on over to NFFC's message board, get online, and email Greg Ambrochus. If you email me, I'll make sure that Greg gets the message. Feel free to do that, Radio at com, And we will get you in that league and save and reserve you a spot the live draft, and uh, you can come on the air. You can defend your picks. You can break down some of the other picks. We kind of break down the draft as it's going, talking about value and team construction. I really like to focus on team construction. What should you do here? Is it is it about best player available? If you get caught up in that too much, you don't build a winning team uh, in these uh, redraft leagues. You got to be very careful with team construction. That's kind of something that I'm really particular about. I also want to mention that this is a high-stakes fantasy show. Chad Schroeder is absolutely dominating baseball once again, Jeff. This is unbelievable. You know the story of Chad Schroeder. He manages over 100 fantasy football leagues. He's won the FFPC. He's won uh, one of the uh, big $25,000 leagues over at the WCoff years ago. He won the baseball. Uh, He won the primetime league. He's done it all. And he is just dominating baseball once again. Listen to these stats. First overall in the NFBC main event. Third overall in the auction championship. Fifth overall in the NFBC online championship. And then he's got several teams in the NFBC 12, 6th, 10th, 15th, and 54th overall. The kid is just, you know, it's it's Chad's world and we're just living it, man. Kudos to Chad. Way to go. He's very humble. He'll never uh, he'll never say uh, and talk about his own skills, but he loves the game. He plays it uh, passionately, you know, just like all the rest of us. And uh, he wins. That's all. At the end of the day, he wins.
0: Yeah, more power to I mean, You can't. I mean, you can't argue with those numbers. I mean, with so many teams, in the top ten and twenty, it's and year over year, they say that you know there's luck versus skill. It's debated all the time. There's a whole lot of skill and there's certainly a little bit of luck. But you know, the more skill you can apply, it. it it shows the same names always elevate to the top. Yeah, kudos to Chad, good friend of the program. So
1: let's get on with the uh show outline, Jeff. We've got a lot to cover. Uh we, we did uh we've got this recent draft board, so if everybody doesn't have a link, maybe uh you can you can uh scroll up and find that uh, link to the draft board. But uh check it out. And uh, let's talk about a couple of things here. We want to look for the biggest reach. We want to know the biggest reach on this board. So we evaluate this board, Jeff. We've got uh, we've got uh, it's a 12-team league. One PPR for running backs and wide receivers. One and a half for tight ends. And we're looking for the biggest reach. And when I look through this board, and I just do kind of a cursory scan over the board as I started to study, I look at this two-three pick, and I think to myself, man, AJ Green. Is Andy Dalton ready to make A.J. Green a superstar where he can get 10-plus TDs, 1,200, 1,300 yards, you know, 90 catches? The question is at 1-3 or at 2-3, Roddy White's at 2-1. You know what you get with Roddy White. 2-3, A.J. Green, 2-5, Greg Jennings, 2-12, Wes Welkers. You know what you get with those guys. What yeah, about A.J. Green at 2-3? Is he ready don't for bother. that? Is not ready I, I,
0: I don't buy green there. I mean, I see green in a top 15 guy, but even you know, even that's a little bit iffy because Cincinnati threw the ball a lot in his direction because they didn't have a whole lot of other options. Gresham, sure, Gresham, Gresham was a good tight end, but the Bengals struggled both on the ground game. and They struggled in having a solid wide receiver, too, every week. Sure, we all saw the, the highlight of Simpson flipping in the end zone, but it's not – Every week that they were getting targets, Green was getting all the targets because there weren't very, very many other options. Him and Gresham were the show. Now they've got and they got Sanu from Rutgers. They've got uh, Jones as another rookie out there. they got, you got know, a few different options. And they also added a better running back, I think, and Jarvis Green-Ellis is going to get a lot of touchdowns. So passing touchdowns may be down overall, and I don't think Green's going to be even close to 10 touchdowns.
1: Urinal Mint in the chat room says, Julio Jones before A.J. Green. And there's something to say about that because with Roddy White on the other side of the field uh, and, and Tony Gonzalez over the middle, you really take a lot of pressure off of, of Julio Jones. Plus you have a, a much more experienced quarterback in Matt Ryan, a much more sound ground game in Michael Turner and Quiz Rogers. I just, I love A.J. Green. Don't get me wrong. If I had to go dynasty-wise, I mean, he's number two, number three, you know, worst-case scenario behind Calvin in my opinion. I, I, I mean, I'm that high on him. But I don't think redraft the the Bengal offense is there just yet. I mean, they're they're real close, but I just think it's like another year away. I think one of those wide receivers on the other side has to show us something first. Jermaine Gresham is is I think he's ready to make that leap, but Andy Dalton in his second year, I'm not expecting that much. Third year, okay. That's a different story. But second year, let's give the kid a break. Let's let this team develop without putting too much pressure on him. I think the Fantasy Nation is already anointing A.J. Green a ruby draft monster, and I'm not quite sure he is. uh, When last year he was wide receiver, what, uh, 17? So I think he's got a little ways to go. Um, And it looks like the chat room agrees with you and I, Jeff. So let's talk about the biggest value play that we see on the board we, we looked at we looked for a reach last time well well, first of all do you see any other reaches that you'd like to comment on or do you want to go to value
0: you know uh, the more i look at it the harder i i can imagine demarco murray as a top 10 running back i just think that the injury bug is there he got you know he put up some good numbers but he had a huge game and then it kind of tapered off i just don't know that he's quite in the top 10 for me um, it's a lot to count on him as your number one running back in a second-round pick. That's a kind of iffy me. I love the Adrian Peterson follow-up, but I think Marshawn Lynch or Reggie Bush or Steven Jackson is probably a better value and a safer play than Murray in the second round.
1: Interesting. You know, Murray represents the uh, ultimate risk versus reward there. Definitely a powerful back. I remember several – huge games, two hundred yard games, uh, right in a row, and they were like, Wow, this this kid's the real deal. Then he really slowed off if you look at the first half and then the second half. It really it really was the tail of two halves and then the injury obviously hit. will be very interesting to see what people think of DeMarco Murray as the as the off season moves on. You see names like Jamal Charles right there and Darren McFadden kinda of sandwiching him. Both injury played guys, uh especially McFadden. Uh but he's a top five back if he's healthy. If McFadden is healthy for the full year, if you told me McFadden plays 16 games, I take him in the I take him in the top five. You know, I don't I don't I don't have any question. I think he's that I think he's that talented. But that's the question: is will he will he get that many games? I don't see a lot of reaches in this draft. I mean, obviously these are guys that are very talented. Um, they're they're looking for value as they draft. If I had to nitpick. At any of them, I mean, Jimmy Graham is the fourth pick overall, even though it is one-and-a-half points per reception. You really can't ask him to repeat last year's numbers. He might, but you got to look at last year's numbers as kind of a ceiling. Uh, you know, you can't – touchdowns are kind of flaky. You know, like Ron Kaffee, you can't expect that many touchdowns, you know, every year. Uh, but targets, it doesn't get much – it doesn't get much higher than what Jimmy Graham did last year with targets and centerpiece of the offense. I just don't think you're you know the same year you go in the next year with the exact same offensive game plan. I think you changed it up, personnel changes, meacham has gone, uh, you, it changes things. You know, I, I just I'm just not sure that Jimmy Graham is uh, the fourth best player in a
0: redraft format. Yeah, I don't have a problem with him in the first round. I think I would take Calvin and Ryan Matthews over Graham. But it's it, it – and I agree that there's lots of uncertainty with New Orleans. You know, Drew Brees isn't signed yet. The coach is not there. But, you know, I think Meacham not being there is in Graham's favor. But still, Lance Moore in and out. I think they're going to try and get the ground game going a little bit more too. I think Graham is definitely one of the top three tight ends, but I don't know if he's, he's the number four pick. I probably would have gone Calvin, then Ryan Matthews, then probably Graham there. We've got uh, in the chat room um... –
1: Murray was uh Get Paddles uh, biggest reach pick. And then Aaron Hernandez was a bit of a reach by Billy Waz, so very good to see the chat room discussions. As far as value goes, we've got somebody in the chat room, uh thinking that DMC was a nice value, urinal mint. Uh what do you think about um uh, what do you think about DM's uh, DMC is
0: value, uh Darren McFadden
1: in the uh second round, two eight.
0: I, th- I think it's okay. I think I-, I tend to look value beyond the first two rounds. It's kind of hard to say value in the first two rounds. It's just, uh, but I, I look a little bit deeper. I look for guys that you know. I-, I think some guys who you know decided. W- I like to look at the guys who decided to wait a quarterback and what they did. Like for example, Smokey in, in round eight. Tony Romo was his quarterback. That's pretty solid. I think waiting. There's a lot of good quarterbacks that went in round nine. Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, Matt Ryan. Those guys are going to put up numbers. I wouldn't wait as long as Coyote did for Jay Cutler is my number one, but I think there were good, solid values there in the seven, eight, nine, ten guys. Around seven, eight, nine, ten, there were, there were good values throughout there. Um, uh, but you know, values in the second round really hard to say because I think you're really drafting. You know, do, do you say he's you know he's a, he's the eighth running back? Does he have run, running back five upside? That's not. Too much of a upside. I think you really want to. I tend to go a little bit more safe in the first two rounds because I'm worried about the downside risk than the upside because you're going more upside towards the back end. You should know a top 20 player and just be drafting with confidence in the first two rounds. We've got some value
1: picks in the chat room. Fred Jackson, Marcel Reese. Fred Jackson at six one. Uh, that's definitely value. Let's talk about Fred Jackson at six one when you had CJ Spiller at five one. So twelve picks later, I was really targeting Fred Jackson there. I thought he was going to fall to me and he didn't. And I I went ahead and handcuffed my Demarius Thomas pick with Eric Decker because I said, Well, all the other running backs are kind of all the same to me, so I'm going to uh you know grab another wide receiver here. But Fred Jackson at six one, the injury notwithstanding in the age. Dynasty prospects, I don't think any of us argue C.J. Spiller is a much more talented dynasty prospect, but Brett Jackson, does he still have one year left as an elite running back in the league? Jeff Pasquino, I think I know the answer.
0: I think he does, and I don't know if you necessarily have to say he's got to be the elite guy when he's like running back 20 off the board. I think he's a solid running back. I think they're going to use C.J. Spiller out on the slot. I think they're going to see him more in the passing game. I think both of them are going to be on the field. They don't have a solid wide receiver, too. I kind of like the, I like the tight end a little bit. I think Scott Chandler is a good solid tight end. Is a nice sleeper late, but... I think that after Steve, Jack, Steve Johnson, they don't have a whole lot of pass receivers. So you've got in a PPR league, C.J. Spiller's value comes up towards Fred Jackson. But I think Fred Jackson's saw it. I mean, and it's not like he had like he blew out a knee or he tore something. He broke his leg. I mean, that those are pretty stable things to heal over time, and he should be back, hit the ground running, and be ready to go in September. It's a good
1: point. I uh, I remember when we drafted, I took C.J. Spiller. I really. Really, I'm high on the kid. I'm not – I don't think I'm uh, pushing him over the ADP ledge or anything when I talk about him. I'm not worried about that. I I just – I think with Fred Jackson's age, he definitely represents risk to me that I don't like to take in redrafts. I I, I just try to stay away. I felt the same way last year, and I was wrong. I mean, I remember, you know, my good friend Jack Hahn, who drafted one hell of a team last year, and he hated his Fred Jackson pick. You know, when he took him at uh, 6'12", I think it was, right? And I'm like, I'm like, ah, it's not a bad place for him. But he hated the Fred Jackson pick for the same reason. You don't take, you know, the age, uh, just is usually an injury concern at that point in the career, and you usually like to take a, a sexier pick, you know. And I took, I took Marshawn Lynch there at six twelve, and I kind of, uh, three weeks into the season, I'm kicking myself, you know, for not taking Fred Jackson. I'm like, oh my God, Fred Jackson, the best player in the league. So, it's, but it's a tale of two seasons, right, with those guys. I took. Marshawn Lynch. I was kicking myself. I was like, I can't believe this. I'm getting two and three point games. And here are these guys that took Fred Jackson are rolling with 20 and 25 point games. Well, then the injury happens to Jackson. Marshawn Lynch absolutely explodes and turns into beast mode again. And it was the tale of two halves. The people who drafted Fred Jackson didn't get where, didn't get where I got. And, you know, Marshawn Lynch took me to, you know, a top ten finish. It's just interesting to see how that kind of stuff pans out when you you feel a certain way on draft day, the season starts, it it's going one way, and then before you know it, the end of the season is, you just completely, you know, turned around in a, in a 180, and, and it's just uh, not what you expected. So, who knows? Jeff Pasquino is our, our, our special co-host this evening from footballguys.com. Uh, Jeff, we're talking about biggest value, and we brought up uh, Fred Jackson here at one. I also like to have this discussion. It seems like every draft I'm very I'm fascinated by the Pittsburgh wide receivers. I owned them both in several leagues um throughout the fantasy landscape last year, Jeff, and when I when I watch I so, so I watched every Pittsburgh game. I, I always watched Mike Wallace intently, and it seemed like it was a season of mere misses for Mike Wallace. It seemed like every time there was a play came this close He he did his job, Roethlisberger didn't. Or Roethlisberger did his job and Mike Wallace didn't. Or the corner made a spectacular tap and a a ball away or a tip away. Or there was a penalty or something. It seemed like all the time this guy missed out on like six to ten huge plays throughout the year, and he's being drafted in the third round. Meanwhile, Antonio Brown, who pretty much went toe-to-toe, with Mike Wallace, the second half of the season, point for point, is going anywhere in the fifth or sixth round. What do you think about my pick for biggest value, Antonio Brown, in the sixth round uh, for Coyote Streakers? Uh,
0: I think that's a solid. That's a solid pick there. I, th- I think that. Uh, the, I love the Pittsburgh passing game. I was just looking right now down. I, I I can't believe Ben Roethlisberger was quarterback fifteen around fourteen. That's ridiculous value. I think that I think Pittsburgh's going to throw the ball a lot. I don't trust their ground game. Richard Mendenhall's hurt. Isaac Redman is okay, but I think the Steelers are best when they do four wide and they put Ben in the shotgun. But I would love to see him do it almost all the time. But um, and, and Ben can run the ball in too. But I think Antonio Brown is he's not. He's not a league name yet. He's not one of those names like, "Oh yeah, I know. I know this guy, I know this guy where he plays." He's those guys that kind of emerged in the back half of the year, remember in like the, you know, around October, November, some teams are starting to fall off the fancy bandwagon because their team is terrible, they start losing interest, and some these names emerge and you're like, uh, I, I remember, okay, it was Mike Wallace and Heinz Ward, Heinz Ward retired, he should have retired, actually I think he kind of ret- retired in October, but he still managed to get to his thousands catch, and that was kind of a gimmick, but But now Antonio Brown and even Emmanuel Sanders is a nice value very late, too. I think all three of those guys are going to put up solid numbers. They're even talking about Heath Miller being back out there for receiving. I believe that when they actually block on the line for Big Ben, but I think that Brown is a great value. I think Wallace is getting a little bit overdrafted because there's so many issues about will he sign, will he be ready when he gets to camp, when will he come in. That's the kind of risk you run when you're drafting this early and these guys aren't in camp yet.
1: We have two people in the chat room who think Matt Stafford represents tremendous value: Mino Brown and Billy Waz. Sixth round for Matt Stafford. Jeff, when when fools like me are taking Cam Newton at two one or two two, Drew Brees is going three two and three one, and you can get Matt Stafford at six three. I mean, wow, that's, that's, that that stands out like a sore thumb now that he puts it that way.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a 2020 hindsight pick. You say, why would I why would I take? Cam in round two, when I can go get Stafford in the sixth round, but you don't know that going in. I would not take Michael Turner over Matthew Stafford, for example, but that's what happened. But he got both. But uh, looking at the value, I I, I think Cam Newton's a reach personally myself. I don't think he's going to be a top five guy because I don't think he's going to get 14 rushing touchdowns. The guy is a sleeper I like in Carolina, not too much of a sleeper. Jonathan Stewart, he's in a contract year. The guy had two 10 touchdown. Uh, seasons before he tapered off in the last two years. I think the guy's going to explode this year and really be a great value for guys who decide to wait a running back and get the third, fourth running back late. Um, Looking now, he was a round seven guy around Ben Jarvis Greenhouse, which is another good value there, but there's a lot of good names in that round seven through nine category I see on this chart. This guy got lots of upside that I would take, I would not take Willis McGahey there because he's got no upside. But i take Ryan Williams, D'Angelo Williams, I'd take uh, Stephen Ridley, even. Uh, these guys with upside. But I see some guys who just don't have it. But I think I think Jonathan Stewart's going to do really well. Stafford was a great value. There's a lot of value in the quarterbacks. That it looks to me in a league like this that you you definitely wanted to say, well, it's not worth reaching for the quarterback. Let me fill up my roster. And with the super flex and the you know it's two tight ends and the 1.5 point per catch, I would you know keep knocking off the top 50 running back, wide receiver, tight ends because that list really cuts off fast in a hurry. There's a uh, there's a lot of comments going on in the chat room, analyzing the draft,
1: and, and I agree with you. I love the upside. I'm, I'm really uh, – the Jonathan Stewart situation is very intriguing. I, I wonder, if do you, do you feel like they're going to back off on Cam Newton and not give him all those red zone looks? When you've got a monster like Cam Newton that stands over the line and can do literally anything he wants to do, I don't see any reason to hand it off to a back and, for, and, and possibly fumble when this kid can do it effortlessly just about any time he wants, jump over the line. So – it's a question for me to see what they do. Plus, you gave Angelo Williams $50 million last year to carry the ball. It's almost like Jonathan Stewart is the – I mean, he gets the receptions, but the carries aren't there and neither uh, – it seems like the touchdowns he's lacking. He could get them too, but it looks like they've got a touchdown machine in camp. So I really don't know what to think
0: of Jonathan Stewart. Well, the the one wild card there is they brought Mike Tolbert in. So Mike Tolbert's been, and they said he's a fullback. So why would you bring a fullback in if you're not going to hand the ball off to a running back? So you got to keep that in mind. I think that Jonathan Stewart, they're going to get a, they're going This is the one year to use him and abuse him because he's going to be gone next year. So I think that he's going to get a lot, of, a lot of touchdown looks, take some, some wear and tear off of Cam Newton. You, you you get hit when you go and try to pop the ball over from two yards out. I think they want to save him a little bit, leave him more to develop as a passer, maybe don't use him for 14 rushing touchdowns this year, and let Jonathan Stewart get six or seven and, and look good for next year so they get a better comp pick when he leaves as a free agency.
1: Biggest team construction mistake were with Jeff Pesquino from footballguys.com. As I looked at the teams and how they're broken apart, it's very, it's very easy to say, yeah, this was a mistake or that was a mistake. Um, I, I I look at not taking a running back on my team obviously, uh, the second running back until round seven as a as a team construction mistake. I don't think that's the way to win in these leagues. Uh, I think taking a quarterback early is the biggest mistake that we can make. Considering the the value that I see in the ninth round with Rivers, Manning, Manning, uh even if I go to Cutler in the eleventh, Schaub in the thirteenth. This is Matt Schaub, uh and Ben Roethlisberger in the 14th, why take a quarterback early when you can get solid quarterback production? I mean, it's not phenomenal quarterback production, but it's solid enough where you won't have the lineup issues that, that I'll have now. I mean, I could have a I could have a Darren Sproles or a Darren McFadden in my lineup as my one, bump down Reggie Bush to my two, and now Isaac Redman is my, is my three, and I'm kind of... I'm kind of strutting my stuff now, you know, with those wide receivers and, and those running backs. Now I feel a whole lot better. But without that, man, you're just really hurting. So I, I look at the Cam Newton pick as the biggest, you know, team construction mistake in the draft. What, what do you see here?
0: I got to agree with you. I, I think if you just do a simple substitution, take Cam Newton, out, put a running back in there, like you said. Now in round six, is that Eric Decker? How about Matthew Stafford as your quarterback? That's a much stronger team, way stronger. So I think that's – yeah, and you've got that option Or again, you can wait to the values of 9 through 14 with all these quarterbacks. I mean, Schaub is the backup to Aaron Rodgers. That's crazy. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is the backup to Tony Romo. This tells you that there are 15 to 18 solid quarterbacks in the league, so you can wait for quarterback, especially if you're not going to get six points per touchdown for passing. Or uh, And there's not, aside from Cam, there's only really him and Vic are really the guys you're thinking they are going to run the ball in. But Aaron Rodgers runs it in a few times too. I think you've got to let quarterback slide, take advantage of the value that's going to be there in rounds 8 through 14 for quarterback, and hammer wide receiver, running backs and tight ends and get your starting lineup plus one extra spot on those first seven and nine picks.
1: And I'm gonna throw out one more name, uh the best value. I love the Vernon Davis play at four four. If it's the playoff version, Vernon Davis said we saw there's not a better tight end in the league, and to get him at four four when everybody's paying these first and second round picks, you gotta you gotta like what Azuri did there with Vernon Davis. Okay. That that draft board will be talked about and discussed Throughout the off season, we don't have, you know, it, we 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 want to take any kind of uh, look at ADP that we possibly can because it's it's where we kind of piece together our strategy for the year as it evolves and it and it goes on. Let's talk about our rookie rodeo segment, Lamar Miller. I'm looking at this kid and saying, can he surpass Daniel Thomas? I mean, we've got Reggie Bush and Steve Slayton. They weigh an average of roughly about 200 200 pounds. Lamar Miller weighs in at 212. Daniel Thomas, on the other hand, is 230. So the way I look at it is Thomas is so much bigger than the rest of the other backs, he's almost guaranteed a significant role in the offense. And They'll need Thomas for pass protection when they want to control possession, when they want to run the clock out, if they want to convert short yardage. I'm trying to find what's the story with Lamar Miller. I mean, they went up the Dolphins traded up to 97th overall. And they say they intend to use him as more than just a running back. He could be option. He ran a 4-4-40 at the Combine, Jeff. What do you see here? Is Lamar Miller uh, more than just a role player this year?
0: This year, I think they're going to try and figure out what to do with him because I think they're going to be, this year is kind of a, uh evaluate what you got for next year because Miami's just not ready yet. They've got a new quarterback that's coming with Tannehill. They have Reggie Bush as pretty much their main guy. But the question is, you know, who else do they have, a wide receiver? So look for Reggie Bush to see a lot of pass targets. You see a lot of same for Lamar Miller. Um, they've got decent, they've got, you know, they, Fasano's getting old. So look for the Agnew, who I like as a tight end. Look for him to develop a little bit. There's a nice sleeper tight end to take a look at. Maybe he's your third tight end. Um, but they're going to be figuring out what their pieces are. I don't think Hartline is their longtime guy. I, I think... They're going to look at Clyde Gates to see if he can be a deep threat. But they're going to evaluate lots of pieces. I don't think any, aside from Reggie Bush, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the entire offense whatsoever from a consistent, fancy roster lineup. And even Reggie Bush is mostly a PPR guy. I think I really like him there, but his touchdowns weren't that high last year. He got lots of touches, but not many touchdowns. So I think Miami's going to struggle. It's a tough division. I think they're probably the fourth-best team, and they're rebuilding. So I don't trust Lamar Miller this year, but I think long-term they, he could be a nice stash dynasty-wise.
1: Talking with Jeff Pasquino, footballguys.com. We're in the Rookie Rodeo segment. Justin Blackman ran a four Wasn't particularly all that impressive when you talk about being the number one receiver in the draft. Huge Oklahoma State target, had a – had a ton of touchdowns there and was just a, a a real motor for that team. The question is, what type of rookie year can we expect from Blackman? Is it going to be more like the A.J. Green, number 17 wide receiver overall, or is it going to be more like the Greg Little, number 47 wide receiver overall? You're talking about Blaine Gabbert. What do you see with Justin Blackman?
0: I think it's somewhere in between. i think thinking of like wide receiver 30 is about where he should be and where he will wind up. I think it's seven, eight targets. Seven or eight targets a week, which sounds high, but who else are they going to throw the ball to? They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. I think Blackman is going to be Mister Garbage time. I think he's going to get a lot of you know four or five catches in the fourth quarter when the Jags are down twenty-seven to seven. Um, Maurice Jones-Drew showing some age. Um, I think uh, Rashard Jennings is a great sleeper to grab there at the running back position. But Blackman, he he's, he commands the ball, commands targets, big catch radius uh he'll make Gabbert look better. Uh I think Mercedes Lewis is going to be the the wide receiver too and Mike Thomas is the third. I don't trust I don't trust Laurent Robinson to really command the ball too much and uh, I don't know how the timing the timing will work with Gabbert. I think Gabbert is a young talent but they threw him out too early. He might look kind of skittish and have happy feet. But I, I think Blackman is going to have a big enough catch window that he'll he'll get his he'll get his four or five catches a week, look good with his, you know seventy catches, a hundred a 1, thousand yards, and maybe a half dozen touchdowns, which will be a great fancy rookie year for him, but not stellar. But he'll definitely show signs of improvement for next year.
1: Yeah, and he was drafted in the ninth round, so in the Randall Cobb, uh, Malcolm Floyd area. Nothing uh, nothing like taking a flyer in the ninth round on, on a player like Justin Blackman. Reuben Randall versus Stephen Hill, our last piece of the Rookie Rodeo segment. We're talking about a better rookie season. Reuben Randall or Stephen Hill. I've got thoughts. Jeff, I'd love to hear yours.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Ruben Randall. I think both both guys are good, but I think Stephen Hill really he, he pretty much was the uh, uh, he's the poster guy for knocking out the combine and really jam- jumping up the, the draft board. I think he's going to start for the Jets. I think he's going to do well, but I don't think he's going to see enough targets to be relevant. He's the best the third target there behind Holmes and uh, Justin Dustin Keller at tight end. And I don't think they're going to throw the ball enough for the Jets. Whereas in the the Giants have Eli Manning. Nix is going to be trying to get ready for the first week. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But I think that he might be playing a little bit hurt. I think people know, Victor Cruz is not going to sneak up on anybody. But Reuben Randall outside of, of uh, Cruz in the slot with. With uh, Nixon on the other side, I think that's a formidable option. They don't have a strong tight end there. They don't have, aside from Bradshaw, out of the backfield, they don't have a whole lot. So, I think Randall's going to see plenty of targets, plenty of catches. I think I really like him in the PPR league. Hill is a great survivor. You know, one week he will just break one for a sixty-yard bomb, but I can't, I couldn't put him in my lineup every week. Six four, two hundred and fifteen pounds, with blazing
1: speed. He can block. He can get the deep ball probably has to work on his route running. But Stephen Hill, the Jets are looking for him to contribute right away. And I've got to think that with Santonio Holmes, one of the better uh, route runners in the NFL, uh, and not participating in the OTAs, this is his chance to really get involved with these quarterbacks and make a name for himself. With Holmes not there, you're going to see some chemistry develop. You have to. I mean, if you're the quarterback, you're like, okay, who's my number one guy? And I'm gonna give it to this kid, this six four kid that's running blazing with blazing speed. I'm gonna I'm gonna to try to get him the ball. Ruben Randall, on the other hand, with the Knicks injury, uh long term, I think Randall's uh value is right now, it's just climbing. Every time I see a rookie draft, this kid is going higher and higher and higher. So be on the radar and look out for Ruben Randall. I think the Giants got themselves another uh vertical weapon here. Not sure how long they'll be able to hang on to him, a couple years maybe, but that would be a that's gonna be a dangerous three wide receiver set when you have Cruz, Knicks, and Randall in there, I don't know how you stop it. So the Giants are loving life, plus they brought in David Wilson. We'll talk about him. But for 2012, Jeff, the the question, who has the bigger year 2012? I say Hill. You say? I say Randall. Okay. There you go. Uh, We we don't have anybody to break the tie unless somebody in the chat room wants to do it. Uh, Again, I think Holmes, he's just not with it. And for whatever reason, he's not with it. Elite Town, just not with it. I think this gives a tremendous opportunity. And sometimes the league is a bad opportunity. And I I think Stephen Hill is going to try to take advantage of that. Let's play high-low. This is a game we look at the ADP. Rising or falling come draft day? Today is June 1st. I want to talk about the ADPs. And you tell me if it's going to be higher or lower come draft day. Trent Richardson is first up on the docket. Recently, Jeff, he was taken number 19, the 2-7 pick. Higher or low on draft day,
0: the ADP? Higher or lower? Uh, I have to say lower just because he's still a Cleveland Brown. Um, but I think in, in non-PPR leagues where running backs are king, I think it could go up, but there's not a whole lot of room to go up there. I think there's still some stud quarterbacks and wide receivers that are going to go above him. I don't see him. He's a top ten running back this year, but it's still Cleveland. There's still better names out there. I think he slips down a little bit.
1: I say higher, man. I think this kid has uh, – everybody's going to fall victim to the hype. There's there's 12 guys in every league. You need one guy to be that guy. And it's going to come – push comes to shove, and you're on the clock, and you're like, man, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take a flyer. Maybe this will happen. Uh, who knows what Whedon and Little and, uh, and uh, Richardson can do when they get things going. I think you're going to see them take a, take a chance, and somebody will take a stab. I think this kid ends up being early second round by the time it's all said and done. Uh, no worse than the middle of the second. So I'm going to go ahead and say go on the record and say higher. Uh, let's go to number two. Mike Wallace was taking 3-7. His name came up earlier. He's still a, tr- a camp holdout. The answer should be higher, right, Jeff, because he's a holdout. He'll probably sign draft day Mike Wallace.
0: I think it should be higher as well as long as he comes in and signs. I think he's going to sign in July so he gets the full bonus. But it's as long as he's in camp before camp starts, that means he'll be 100% conditioning and everything. That number should go up.
1: I think we'll see the ADP of Antonio Brown go up, not – Quite sure what to make of Wallace, and, and, I, and again, it's one of these guys that I'm just thinking to myself: Why do I want to pay that price when I can get the exact same player? Not talent-wise, but opportunity-wise, and part of that offense, he's always been a—he's just a big part of Brothlitz-Burgers. He's always there. He can get open. I love the love his game. Uh, Reminds me a little bit of Wes Welker. I mean, just with the speed and the route running, I, I think, and he's got—he's got so much speed. So it's—it's it's, it's really exciting to watch that team grow and develop with those wide receivers. Finally, our last player in the high-low game, um, Jacob Tammy. Jacob Tammy drafted right now 7-9, and this is in a one-and-a-half point per reception tight end league. Jacob Tammy 7-9. To me, that just seems way too low. I'm going to go higher
0: with this one. I think so. I have to look at the list of how many tight ends went. Um Yeah three. You can start up to three in this league. Uh
1: Daniels went after him, Winslow, Fleener, Keller, Olsen, Rudolph. The ones that went before him were Gresham, Gonzo, Selleck, Cook, Pettigrew, Davis.
0: I think it's about right. I would take I would take Tammy over I would take Owen Daniels probably over Tammy or maybe dustin keller that's about the only name i'd even throw out there but i think it's about right where he needs to be it'll probably come up a little bit and i think Pettigrew is being overdrafted i think that that's a mistake because they target him way too much because they had no ground game everybody's
1: ears get real close
0: to the speaker so you can hear me say this i'm listening to the
1: indianapolis radio this afternoon on my way home on the JMV show john michael vincent and they've got Dwayne Allen, the rookie tight end uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, talking about Kobe Fleener. And again, Kobe Fleener's still going to school, hasn't been able to participate, but he came to town, and they did, you know, did go through the walkthroughs or what have you. This kid, Dwayne Allen, said he knows the entire playbook already. He's running, the, he knows the he knows the routes. Uh, I was trying to stump him. He knew every single thing I could possibly imagine. The kid is a genius when it comes to football. And when I hear things like that, I'm like, wow, Andrew Luck is going to have just a solid target for years to come. He already knows what he has. But I think the rest of the league is going to learn when you have somebody like that, that that really is a student of the game uh, and can just digest what is being handed to him that's just really gets exciting for me. I want to go out after I listen to that interview, and I want to go out, and and, and I'd already watched him on you know video, and I've watched him in games, and I, and I love him as a prospect. When I hear that from uh, Dwayne Allen, something else just kind of clicks for me and says, man, I want to go get this guy.
0: Yeah, and I think that uh, they're, they're going to throw a lot again in the fourth quarter. I think that uh, Luck is going to have good numbers again in garbage time because the Colts are going to be bad. But I think having those two tight ends there, again, the same New England recipe, they're going to see lots of targets and lots of receptions.
1: All right. Finally, we've got three minutes left in our championship edition. We have to give the Giants the prop. They are the reigning Super Bowl champs. Is Martellus Bennett the answer to the Giants' tight end woes or perhaps the rookie Adrian Robinson? Martellus Bennett comes in, and Lance, you called him a lazy SOB, but you got it so right, he weighed in at 291 pounds. Uh, What do you think of uh, Martellus Bennett trying to fill that role? Jay Ballard and Travis Beckham, they both suffered ACLs in the Super Bowl. What do you
0: think? I think you're looking at the outside right tackle. I think that's what you're <laughs> looking at. 291 pounds. That's not moving real fast. I think you're going to look at three wides, and you're going to see, you know, Bradshaw and Wilson out of the backfield. Those are your offenses. You're going to, Randall and Nix and, and Cruz. and The tight end's not going to see any targets, uh, if at all, not not much at all. Bennett is just he just couldn't get on the field in in Dallas, even with when Witten was not 100. percent But he's just not capable of doing it. I think that you know I love David Wilson. I think and Bradshaw's going to see a lot of targets that the tight end normally would see.
1: I love this Adrian Robinson kid, six four, two sixty-four, his athleticism, backed by a four-five forty. They're already calling him the Jason Pierre Paul for tight end. So uh 90 seconds to go on the program, Jeff. Uh he was from University of Cincinnati, he only caught twenty nine passes, was mainly a blocker, but the team didn't need him. They weren't throwing the ball. They they won a lot of games. It's gonna be exciting to see what Adrian Robinson can be. Keep him on your radar in your deep rosters. Your 30-man lineup, I think you ought to be looking for him. David Wilson, again, another explosive running back, 5'10", 206. He can change the game, Jeff, with one play because of his rare speed of blend and power. Uh, I, I I saw a stat on him that said 990 of his yards came after contact. That is way higher, 300 yards more than Trent Richardson. David Wilson, you love this guy, right?
0: Absolutely, I, I have him, I've had him way high for all all preseason. I see a lot. Of, I don't see a ton of college football, but I see a lot of Virginia Tech, and he looked everything the part of being a, a feature running back, and I think that he's going to get a lot of touches. As far as the athletic JPP for tight end, deep dark sleeper Tyson Thompson. Uh, down in Tennessee, he was an, he was a defensive player. Flipped over at the combine and moved to his old position from high school at tight end. He's a real athlete. And if Jared Cook wow. does not pa- pan out, keep an eye on that name. Wow!
1: Seventeen seconds left in the show. Jeff Pasquino, Football Guys. Thanks for coming on. Short notice. We love Football Guys and the the work you guys do there. Jeff Pasquino, Football
2: Guys. We'll see you guys next week on Red versus Blue. The Big Blue co-host will be back. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.
1: Jeff, one last question we didn't get to, buddy. We're in overtime. Eli Manning or Peyton Manning, which one will have the bigger season in 2012?
0: i got to go with Eli. I think Eli's just on his game more. I think he's got good, solid receivers. Uh, I, I don't know about Denver. And again, we're all assuming that Peyton's 100%. I mean, everything looks good and everything, but I, I don't know. He's got some unproven targets. they still got to get on the same page for for timing. Um, I think Peyton will be okay, but I think Eli's going to put up better, more impressive numbers. I
1: You know, 4,000 yards just seems like a lock for Eli. 26 touchdowns seems like a lock. I think that's Peyton's ceiling this year. 4,030 seemed like his ceiling you know, with that type of team, and you've still got all these new weapons. You have to go back and research the years when it wasn't Marvin Harris and Reggie Wayne. Uh, you have to go back and research the years where you, he didn't really have that caliber of players around him, and so let's see what he did back then. I I'm still need to do that. Uh, but they are being drafted appropriately. I think ninth round, I mean, you could get Peyton or Eli. I think Eli is undervalued. We, we should have called him out as biggest value play because you know, uh, Matt Stafford or Eli, pretty much pretty similar. Uh, you know, obviously Stafford's throwing for 5,000 yards. But, man, this giant team really knows how to win with Eli. So it's going to be exciting to watch Peyton and Eli kind of square up this year to see just who has the mantle or is he ready to pass the torch to his little brother, if he hasn't already. So, Jeff, thanks for being a part of the show, man. We had a blast. We had a great rundown, great lineup, great crew in the chat room. And uh big part of the success. Uh, thanks to you,
0: Jeff. Thank you, Scott. Always, always a pleasure to be on the show. It's always fun. A
1: lot of fun, man. Let's do it again. All right. See you, buddy.
2: See ya.